Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. We want to welcome you to the worship service of the Homerville Church of Christ. Glad you stopped in. We uh, appreciate uh, your time. Hope you find the things done in the worship service in accordance with the New Testament. If you have any questions, we invite you to leave them in the chat box, or you can leave them on our Facebook page. And today, we're going to continue our study, searching the scriptures, going through the an overview, basically, of the Bible. We're going to consider Abraham, the father of the faithful. And then this evening, we'll look at the days of your years, or of our years, uh, considering various days in our lives. We hope you're doing well in this new year. And again, we're thankful for you stopping by. And if you're ever able to be with us in person, we'd love to have you come and visit us as we worship in Homerville, Georgia.
talk to them here. Church is not doing well at all. Take the bulletin, brothers, that are missing. The order of the worship service this morning, spiritual reading will be done by Brother Evan, and it will come from Proverbs 14. 13 through 23, Proverbs 14, 13 through 23. Singing will be Brother Andrew and the bride. Lord's Supper of Brother Andrew Mitchell. Prayer for the bride, closing prayer for the veil. And Brother Andrew will be speaking in the sermon title, Subjects of Knowledge. Is that Father, the Father of the Faith? Please, the Father of the Faith. The Father of the Faith. The Father of the Faith. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 13 through 23. Even in laughter, the heart is called for, the innocent that mercy is heavenly. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. And a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Who believeth every word that the prudent man will disclose to the governor? God's men tears and hearts from evil. <clears throat> he that is soon angry deals foolishly. Who inherit the fathers of, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Who bow before the good? Who pays even of his own name? They not err that divide evil, but mercy and truth. All labor there is possible, but part of the wood and is only. He tends along the hills of life, he grits his soldier's pride, and grits the battle weather, and I shall have a soul we cry. Against the foe is left behind, let all our drinking go. Faith is a victory we love, spread over us the world. Faith is a victory. Oh, glory of victory, that overcome 
Miss Roundtree that she can be comforted at this time that she'll be with Brother Brian with his upcoming procedure that things procedure be successful and that he could have a speedy recovery. That you be with others who are mentioned as well. That you be with those of a number who are away from us at this time who are traveling. That you keep them safe and bless them and see them back safely to us at the appointed time. Pray that you be with Brother Andrew and Sister Ada. Pray that you bless Sister Ada through their creation process that, that things can be worked out quickly and that she can join us here soon. Pray, pray that you be with us now as we continue through the remainder of this service here this day. Pray that the things we done, that we do here would all be done and, and it will be pleasing unto you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <coughs> Number 215. Sing this song, we'll have a little something in the
And I say unto you, I shall not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I'm going to end you carefully. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for all the many blessings you've given us, Lord. And we thank you especially for the blessing of sending your Son to die on the cross for our sins. We pray as we partake of this bread, which represents your Son's broken body, that we might partake of it in a manner pleasing unto you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, Brother Andrew, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for the food of us. Let us pray. Once again, dear Lord, we'd like to thank you for blessing us with your Son who provides his life as a ransom on the cross. We pray as we partake of this fruit of the vine which represents the blood your Son shed, and we might partake of it in a manner pleasing unto you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
completes the Lord's Supper portion of the service, we come to another portion, which is giving. The Bible tells us that as Christians, we're to give on the first day of the week as we've been prospered. This means it's the only time to do so. We will uh, have our prayer for y'all. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for blessing us with the ability to go out and earn a living, Lord. We pray as we give back a portion of that, we will give back in a manner pleasing unto you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and mark your book, number 
see each other this morning. I hope you're doing well. Enjoy the time at the Young's house last evening. It's always good to enjoy some food that's delicious. And, but it's always good whether we're having oysters or hot dogs or peanut butter and jelly or whatever the case is. Uh, even if it's just something that we don't like to eat, it's good to be together. And uh, sometimes uh, tastes very, but tastes are good company. Uh, that's, that works with whatever you want to say. Uh, great evening. Good time together. And I uh, appreciate uh, y'all having us over and all who came and made possible. <coughs> we started last week. A week behind, but we got caught up last week where we would have been otherwise. <coughs> Looking at the uh, nuggets of knowledge. Now, this is going to follow more closely than the sermons to the, the reading schedule. We've got a reading three chapters of the Bible during the week and then four on Saturday and Sunday. And over the course of this past week, we should have gone from chapter 37 to chapter 6 of Genesis uh, uh, 37 to Exodus 6. Should be where you finished off yesterday if you're keeping up with that schedule. I understand uh, some are, are going at different speeds, and that's fine. But in keeping with the progression, we should be through Exodus chapter 6, starting with chapter 7 today. And during the course of the reading, you would have come to the burning bush there in Exodus chapter 3 through about chapter 5 or so. And in the course of the burning bush, there's some, some similarities between the burning bush and the church. And uh, this isn't something new. Actually, we covered this material several years ago. Um, I actually was, had this brought to my mind by Brother Gary Hampton in a sermon uh, lecture that he did. But I thought it very interesting and it fit with what we read. And so this is just something to keep in mind and come back to our mind. At the burning bush, God reveals himself to Moses. And at the burning bush, he, uh, God's presence made the place holy. He spoke of the deliverance, the plan that he had to deliver the children of Israel. And he spoke of the promise that um, which would give them hope after that deliverance. Imagine getting delivered from Egypt only to be stuck in the wilderness for the rest of your existence. There's not a lot of benefit there. But God not only took them out of Egypt, but he gave them a great land. Now you compare that to the church and what happens at the burning bush, what God did to the burning bush and what he does to the church. Does not reveal himself to the world through the church. Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 33. He makes uh, God's presence makes the church holy. 1 Corinthians 3, 17, he talks about how we don't belong to ourselves, we're the temple of God, the church. And that's something to keep in mind because it's not just whichever one you want to go to, but it's got to be his. Because his presence makes it holy. You think about the burning bush again. Moses could he saw a bunch of bushes, but there's only one where God's presence. Not only that, but in the church, God reveals his plan to deliver. Romans 6, 23, he talks about that the way to sin is death, but to give to God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the gospel system is how we enter into the church for obedience to that, and it's through that plan that he delivers us. And so through the church, he reveals his plan to deliver. And then finally, God, uh, through the church, God speaks to the promised land. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 talks about that rest that awaits God's people. And so that, there's a similarity there. You think about the burning bush and then the church in comparison. 
genetics of knowledge. And again, I didn't come up with the title. I, well, I actually added this one because it was a little off of his schedule. Uh, but Brother Jeff Archie uh, gave this idea, so we using his title, and that's why the table there, because he wanted to have it kind of go together. And by the time we get done with this year and we keep taking notes of knowledge, it's going to be safe to supposed to be advocating it. So uh, this morning, if you all have your hand, hand out on the left-hand side, on the side, we're going to be considering the father of the faithful. And if you don't know who that is, you're talking about Abraham. And so the father of the faithful, and I'm back to again to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, you're studying the book of Genesis on Wednesday night, and you probably have noticed that Genesis covers a wide portion of Abraham's life. Chapter starts out around the end of chapter 11, all the way through about chapter 25, and there's no way we can cover 20 or those chapters. I can do the math, and I'm not going to try to mess it up. But we're not going to cover that amount of time or those chapters today. We're going to cover some of the events of those chapters. But we need to cover all that, and there's no sense in doing that. We're doing that on Wednesday night. But I have some thoughts to consider about Abraham. We know that the Old Testament is beneficial to us. Romans 15 and verse 4, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Paul was turning the attention of the Roman Christians back to the Old Testament. If you read through the book of Romans, and as we continue in our studies of that book this year, we're going to find Paul frequently goes back to the Old Testament to make the point that we're saved by faith through the gospel system, through the death of Jesus, and he uses some illustrations and some evidence, if you will, uh, from the Old Testament to prove the point. The Old Testament is beneficial for us in our learning, and the songs we've been singing today, speaking of faith, we find in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, that we are children of Abraham by faith. And as this is the case, we're children of God by faith as well. And it shows this through these verses. Galatians 3, verses 26 through 29, for you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ that put on Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond or free, there's neither male or female, for you all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you Abraham seed and heirs according to the promise. Now this takes us back to Genesis 12. Where we have what is known as the threefold promise. And you'll recall that, that there were a couple things there that were very specific to the physical children of Israel. God's chosen people of the Old Testament. That is, that God would make of Abraham a great nation. And he would give him that land in which he dwelt. And those promises were fulfilled by the end of the book of Joshua. Joshua points that out, that God hadn't failed to deliver on any of these promises. And he continues then with the third promise, that through him all families of the earth would be blessed. This is Genesis 12, 1 through 3. But it's not just that Jesus would come through Abraham, that's not the only thing tied to that. Because here he says that if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now we're going into Romans chapter 4, and we'll get back to that. But Romans chapter 4, Paul uses Abraham as an example of, of being justified by faith. And he talks about the fact that we're children of his, or of his seed, if we're saved by faith. And that's kind of the gist of Romans 4. And so if we're saved by faith in Jesus, 
then we're like Abraham, justified by our faith. We're children of Abraham by faith. We can't go in our, our genealogies and, and reach back to Abraham. But through faith, we can reach back to Abraham. We're his children by faith. And so Abraham has been called the father of the faithful. And if you think about Abraham, the father of the faithful, the first place you're going to consider is subjection to God. His subjection to God. Now, this picks up in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, we go again to consider some things uh, that were done by faith. Hebrews 11, we're told in verse 8, let's pick verse 8 instead of verse 11. Hebrews 11, verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. Here in the first place, we find his subjection to God in that he went when he was called. He went when he was called. Now, if you go back to Acts chapter 7, it seems that he was called actually in earth of the Chaldees. And he traveled with his with his father and actually with his family up to Paris, which is kind of towards the northern part of the Euphrates River. And there at Herod, his father's going to die. And basically, he's going to be left with his nephew Lot is going to continue with him in his journey. And then Sarah, Sarah at that time, that name changing, Sarah, his wife, is with him. And so we get there. And it seems to be that he, he carried them with him and he's supposed to have left, left them. And so when we pick up in Genesis 12, it says that God had called him. So it seems like there was a little bit more already happening before we get to Genesis 12. But he went, according to Hebrews 11, when he was called. When we hear the gospel call today, when we hear the Lord calling us, it's not going to be as he called Abraham. It's going to be through the gospel, according to 1 Thessalonians 2.14. He calls us by the gospel. When we hear that call, if we're children of Abraham, that is, children of faith, then we're going to go when we're called. Those of you who are parents, you, you get this idea probably a little bit better than those of us who aren't parents. When you told your children, come here, or when you tell your children today, come here and do this, or go there and do that, you don't want them to wait till next Tuesday before they do what you've asked them to do. You want them to go when you call them. That's a sign of obedience. I, I, sometimes I get frustrated when I'm substituting. And uh, the kids, they, they, they want to do what they want to do. And they, they, but we get what you say. No. If you do what I say, that means you're a baby. Do what I say, when I say, the way I say to do it, and you don't fuss about it. You don't do those things. You really have to obey but when Abraham gets this call, we're told that he went. When he's called. And so for us today, if we're going to be obedient to God, if we're going to be people of faith, and children of Abraham by faith, and children of God, we're going to have to go when we're called. That begins when we answer that call initially. We hear the call that we've got to obey to God so that we can become part of his family. So that we can have our sins forgiven. We've got to go when we're called, otherwise we couldn't miss out on the opportunity. When we find that we've been called to go and teach others the gospel, now again, that doesn't come as some people in the religious world they say, some mystical voice in the 
But the gospel calls us to go and to teach. We've got to go to the call. That call comes to our mind as we have opportunities through the day. We encounter people who are in need of the gospel and opportunities, and you know how it happens. It may not be an issue that you think about, okay, this is an opportunity to teach somebody, or it may come that way. But as soon as you have that come to your mind, you're remembering what God's called you to do through the scriptures, and that is to teach his word. Are we going to be children of faith and go and call them? Are we going to do it as we can do? God trusts us and he gives us the ability to choose it, how and, and, and the, the, the details of it, how we're going to go about doing it. But are we going to take advantage of these opportunities and go like Abraham when we were called, when we are called to go? But also not only did he go when he was called, he went where he was called. Now, we understand there's a little detail. He went down to Egypt. But as he traced his journey, he goes from, from Ur up to Herod down to Palestine. He stays there for a little bit. And he recalls the famine comes to the land. And, and he goes down into Egypt. And there, there's really no indication that God said go down to Egypt. And he sure didn't tell him to lie about his situation with Sarah that she was his wife. He goes down there and says, Tell him that you're my sister, and that way, and she's half sister, but she's still his wife, the wife. And they say, those of you who are married in this room, if your husband said she's not really my wife, you wouldn't really appreciate that. But that's what Abraham asked for her to do. And he goes down there and does this, and she ends up in Pharaoh's area. And God helps get the situation taken care of. Gets straight down, and Pharaoh escorts them to the edge of the land and tells everybody, don't mess with them, and they get back to where they're supposed to be. There's a deviation from where he's supposed to be, but when you look at the big picture, he was faithful in his suggestion to God. He gets back on track. He went where he was called to go. And as we think about our situation as Christians, are we going to be where God wants us to be? When we're supposed to be there. Are we going to go where we've been called to go? Sometimes we deviate from that, just like he did. Sometimes we see something over here and it seems inviting to go over there to do that. We recognize I don't need to be there. And that takes us to 1 John 1 and verse 7, where he says that if you walk in the light of Jesus in light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all things. If we walk in the light, he called us to walk in that light, walk with him through this life in the light of his word. Sometimes we may deviate just like Abraham did, but just like he did, we've got to come back to where we've been called if we want to be considered faithful. So first place to think about the father of the faithful, we've got to be impressed by his suggestion to God. In the next place, I don't mean this as a possession, but it just worked out the way I've worded it. We consider, as we consider the father of the faithful, we got to consider his Sarah. I had to do it that way. It just worked out that way. But it, it, his wife, Sarah. And you think about Sarah, Hebrews 11 adds her to this, this section in uh, verse 11. It says, Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful 
to the promise. Now, we'll talk about the child part in a second, but I want you to just think about the faith of Sarah as she goes on this journey. Now, I understand that the, the situation was a little bit different to, to ours today, although when you read about how things play out in that family, they're not completely different because um, she didn't like the idea of Hagar having the upper hand in things. So there's a lot of similarities going on there to the way things would be as far as the disposition of folks in this journey of faith. But imagine the faith that she had to have as she went along this journey with Abraham. Sometimes along that journey, there were some difficulties that Abraham faced. And he faced it, faced these things with Sarah his wife. And in conjunction with this, Peter, Peter talks about her. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 5, notice it says, uh, in the context, he's talking about how that the the, uh, the Christian women were or should reverence their husbands. And in verse 5, it says, For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling the Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid of any lady. Here he takes our minds back to Sarah. And as you think about Sarah's time along that journey, you don't really hear about her saying, Abraham, I quit. I'm not going on this journey anymore. I don't want to do this. God called you. He didn't call me. I don't want to do my own thing. We don't read about that because she had a reverence for her husband. And, and Peter uses that as an illustration of how the Christian women were supposed to be in subjection and reverence to their husbands in his day and the time of continuing the Christian age. And he says that if you do this, if you have that meek and quiet spirit, then you're a daughter of Sarah. Now, how is this? And we say that, well, here is this lady and she can trace her genealogies all the way back to Sarah. No. I think. Following in those footsteps. How was it that she was able to do these things? It, it had to be by faith because she said this and she had the reverence that God would have her to have for him. And she's used as an example. And so today, if you considered a, a daughter of Sarah, you have to, a, a woman would have to have these characteristics. And then if she doesn't have these characteristics, do we really say she's a daughter of Sarah? No. She doesn't exhibit those same qualities. And so first of all, thinking about Sarah as a woman of faith, along this journey with Abraham. But now, getting more specific into what he talks about in chapter 11 of Hebrews, we find that not only was she a woman of faith, but also she welcomed the first child. Now, this was not Abraham's first child. You recall, she gives him Hagar, and, and Hagar has Ishmael. And that was their way of fixing God's plan. God says, no, that's not my plan. That's your version of my plan, but that's not the way this is going to work out. <coughs> We're going to do it my way. And you're going to have a son by Sarah. And I'm going to come back to you in about a year and these things are going to be taking place. And you recall that in Genesis 17 and verse 17, Abraham hears this and what he do? He laughs. Chapter 18, the one that was always emphasized to me, Sarah hears it in the tent and she laughs and God says, Why are you laughing? That I didn't laugh. It's interesting that interaction that they had 
But later on, you'll read it, that God called Abraham his friend. Not his servant, not his child, but his friend. And when you read these conversations that God has with Abraham and with Sarah, it's almost like, kind of like last night when we were at the other house, a, a conversation not... Mr. Nick, you don't have to worry about any of the things you're going to have to uh, have a <laughs> But um, we don't have that power to, to create a thing like that. But the way the conversation takes place, it's just like you're over at somebody's house and the conversation is just, and, and what he's doing the short time in the morning, he says, I'm going to have this thing I'm going to do from Abraham. Thing I know. And he goes and he starts, he tells Abraham, I'm, not, I'm about to wipe that area out. And Abraham starts. Are you going to do it for this man? Don't be angry, but will you do it for this man? It, it, it's just a friendly conversation on, on serious matters. That's the kind of relationship that Abraham seemed like Sarah had with God. And it's a relationship that we can develop as we follow in the footsteps. But they laughed at this idea that, that this could happen. But by the power of God, Sarah was able to have a child. God's promise a long time after anybody thought they were going to be possible. But we're told here that she, by faith, received strength to conceive the seed and to live a child that she was that faith, by faith. So Sarah was a woman of faith and she welcomed the first child, that is Isaac, the child's promise. So we consider the father was faithful with those the subjection of God. We notice his wife there. But also we've got to consider his sacrifice. This takes us to verses 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And, that, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall I see be blessed. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also he received him in a figure. As we think about the father of the faithful, we've got to consider his sacrifice. You recall in Genesis chapter 22, in fact, Brother Andrew took us to Genesis chapter 22 a few weeks ago. He did a fine job helping us to see the events that transpired. God comes to Abraham. And he says, Abraham, I want you to offer up your son, your only son Isaac, that you love. Now, we know in the background we've got this promise. It's supposed to be through Isaac that, that, that these promises are, are fulfilled by God. And now God comes to him and he says, I want you to offer my son. Now, it says that this was a test. He was testing Abraham's faith, but Abraham said, gets up early in the morning. He doesn't put it off. He doesn't say, well, in a few days, in a few weeks, months, years, maybe one day, uh, right before I die, I'll do this. But he does it. He gets up early in the morning, gathers the provisions to get his Isaac and, and the, the helpers that were trying to help him on their journey, and they start heading to that mountain that God has set He goes and he tells the young men, I and I, to go yonder and worship. He and Isaac go up with the, 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 the wood and the fire, and Isaac points out, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, but we're missing this kind of key component. That's kind of like when, when you're getting ready to leave, maybe you go to church, go to uh, come to worship, and your children say, well, uh, where's the Bible? Oh, but I, Abraham didn't say, man, we've got to go back. He said, the Lord will provide. They go on, and it talks about they, they, they set things in place, 
And this is Abraham was about to come down with the knife to kill his son as he's been commanded by God. No stop. And I think back. And ram in worship as Jesus sacrificed the substitute on that altar. Faith in God because Abraham trusted God that he would fulfill his promise. How are we going to do this? The only thing, evidently, according to what we read in Hebrews, the only thing Abraham could come up with, God must be going to raise him from the dead because he's going to keep his promises. He doesn't say that Abraham thought, well, I guess the promise is gone. Now that's what happens to us when I just make the promise to us. And then they do something that's counterintuitive to that promise and say, well, I guess that's not going to happen. Abraham didn't do it. He said, well, God must be going to raise him from the dead. That's but he was able to see his faith in his test that he gave to Abraham. So there was a test of his faith in this sacrifice. But then we're also told that this is a figure. And we're able to see a glimpse of the price of salvation, the price of a, a substitute sacrifice. It was so important for Abraham that he had that substitute. But it was also the, the thing that was required was his son in this command. For us today, we have the gift of his son, gift of God's son, on our behalf. Our substitute to see the value in that sacrifice. But it was a test of his faith. We're faced with tests in our faith from time to time. It may be that we're called upon to make a stand, just to stand up to the Lord when everyone else around us is sitting down. It may be that we're called to just simply be faithful in a situation where we're faced with temptation. Whatever the case is, our faith is tempted. Will we do right or will we do wrong? Will we be faithful to God or will we do that which is evil? Even when it was going to cost him his son, Abraham was faithful to God. He trusted him. He followed through with his command. And how we know him is to follow the faithful. We follow, we're going to follow his footsteps. We must be willing to make the sacrifices that are necessary to be faithful to God. In the next place, as we consider the, the father of the faithful, we consider his sojourn. We take it back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 9. And here we're told that, that by faith he sojourned there's a land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. As you think about this sojourn, it's interesting when you think about it in terms of traveling, that they would have traveled like in those days. At best, you could hope to ride on an animal of some sort, or in a cart that's pulled by an animal. But when we think about traveling, most of the time we think I'm going to get in a car, I'm going to get on a bus, I'm going to ride an airplane or a train or a boat. I'm going to be in some type of uh, a, uh, machine that's going to take me very quickly, as quickly as possible to where I want to go. But when you go from the Persian Gulf up the Euphrates River, down to Palestine, down to Egypt and back again, that's a long way to walk. That's a long way to ride on an animal. I don't care how comfortable your circumstances are. And you got bad weather. You got animals. You don't have hotels conveniently located at the next exit. 
things water. That was an amazing undertaking that he did. To travel all that way, but he did it by faith. And then he talks about the fact that he, he, he did this in a land, the land of promise, as in a strange country. God says, this is your land. You don't have it. In fact, he tells them that the... Uh, the wickedness of the people of the land, it wasn't, wasn't full yet. And so you're going to have to continue on amongst these people as a visitor, but this is going to be your land one day. Now, he would never see that. He'd own the, the, the cave of Machpelah where he was buried Sarah, and he would eventually be buried, and then Jacob. But he never really got to own this land as far as saying, this is mine, get off it. And it says here in verse verse uh, not, uh, yeah, verse nine that he dwelt there notice, with Isaac and Jacob, the heir with him of the same promise. But as I think about those words and the idea he dwelt there with them, that takes me back to Genesis nineteen in that conversation where God says, "I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah." But before that, he, he tells them this. Not, we're not, it's not able to be said of us. 
that the Lord would know us, that we would guide our children to follow him. It would really say that we are children of faith. And of the seed of Abraham by faith. And he made this sojourn and he made it with his family. And he made it looking for that which has foundation. His sojourn was for something of substance. In verse, verse 10, it says that he, he, he looked for, for a, a city that has foundation. That is, he's builder and maker is God. He was looking for something better than the things of this life. And so he was able to make it through that journey without focusing on those things, without focusing on when I'm over here in Earth with my family, without without the focus of the things on this life, but focusing on that and foundation. As we make our way through this sojourn of life, where is our focus? Are we looking for that which is eternal, that which has been made by God? Or are we looking at those things that are temporal, those things that now last? He made this journey for something that would last. And finally, as we consider the, the Father of the faithful, we notice his possession of the God, we notice his Sarah, his sacrifice, his sojourn, and finally his search. And this takes us to verses 13 through 16. 13 through 16, his search. And he gets more specific talking about that for which Abraham looked. And actually, all of these folks, because in verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. This journey, this search, was made by faith. They were looking for that which was not seen, in a world of things that were seen. Now, Abraham was a very rich man in, in, in today's standards and in the standards of, of that day. He had animals, flocks, and herds. He had servants. He had money to, that was used in exchange for things. And so he, he had great substance. But he wasn't focused on that substance. He was focused on the things which are of faith. And that's the reason he is in this chapter. That's the reason he is, is considered the father of the faithful, because he wasn't focused on the things of this life, but he was focused on those things that the Hebrew driver said were able to be seen far off by the eye of faith, the God's word, and the promises that he made, and he focused on those things. And his search was forthcoming. Verse 14, he says, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a change. When you read about Abraham, while he does have imperfections, his the overall picture of his life says, I'm following God. I'm looking for that which is which has foundation. That which is eternal. That which is seen by the eye of faith. And there's no kind of him trying to hide that. Everywhere he went, literally it is, he would get to a new location. It may not say much. There may not be anything really else that happens, but he builds an altar and he worships God. And so really, he could follow his altars and follow him. He was forthcoming. It declared plainly, he said, to seek for a country. 
and searching faithful. Verse 15, truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to call their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This journey that he made, this search that he was making for the city that has foundation, he was faithful in this search. He didn't give up. Now imagine, God says, I'm going to give you this land. And you keep traveling. He says, I want you to go to this land. I'm going to show you. And you keep traveling. And you keep waiting. Lord, where's the deed? When are we going to go down to the court and make this official? And he says, just keep waiting. It's going to happen. It'd be really easy to give up. <coughs> if you face difficulties along the way, it would be easy to turn back and say, Lord, I appreciate all that you're doing for me, but it was a lot easier over there. I'm going to go back. In fact, the Israelites did that. We'll look at that later on. That's what they said. But Abraham continued forward. I think. And as we think about his search for that which had foundation, he made it by faith. He wasn't akin to search. It wasn't like on, on some other movies like maybe National Treasure. They got that room over here in the back. I don't think y'all know if they did that there, but they got the room where they got all their searching stuff back here so they don't want anybody else to know about it. And then they supposedly out here, they lead a regular, just a normal life. I'm just a normal person. But then I come back here in my room and I'm a crazy guy because I'm looking for this. And I'm not saying it's crazy, but uh, Abraham's crazy. But Abraham didn't hide what he was trying to do. As you think about our church, because as children of faith, we haven't received the fulfillment of this promise. In fact, that's Romans chapter 8 when Paul talks about we're saved by hope. Because if you have what you're hoping for, it's not hope anymore. Once you open that present on Christmas morning, you're not hoping anymore. You've got it. We still hope and long for the opportunity to be in heaven. We don't have it yet, just like you didn't have that land but he continued on by faith, faithfully looking to that place that God had prepared for him. Are we doing that along our way? Are we faithful in our efforts seeking that home that's been prepared for us, that land that's been promised to us? I we think about sometimes of making mistakes. Or have we gotten discouraged along the way? Have we gotten tired? Difficulties have just become too great. Say, Lord, I appreciate all you've done for me. I'm just going to live a quiet, peaceful life here at home as best I can and just let that be. Probably didn't have that actual conversation, but our actions sometimes do say that. But if we're going to be a children, a child of Abraham by faith, a child of God by faith, our actions nor our words can say those things. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, leading up to it, Paul said, The children by faith. Two of his people, verse 27, said, As many of you have been baptized in Christ, put on Christ. And if you the great bond of faith, have a figure of your all one Christ Jesus. Christ, being Abraham, said, Heirs for these promises. 
this morning, if you've not obeyed the gospel, that is that through faith you repented of your sins, confessed the name of Christ, and baptized, so that your sins can be washed away, to rise and walk in the new life. If you've not done those things, then you're not a child of Abraham, and you're not a child of God, because that's the only way you can do that. And if that's the case, we'd love to help you with that, either by studying God's Word, so that you can understand the things needed so you can do that, or by helping you to come to, uh, well, do it now if you're ready to do it. So that you can be a child of God by faith, following footsteps and following faith. As a child of God, are you walking along this journey, this sojourn of life, by faith? Are you following in the footsteps of your father? I'm reminded you to think about that, about those in the movie. You don't ever see it around here. But in the movies, when there's a lot of snow and the, and the dad's leading the way for his son and his son's walking, in the footsteps of the dad. Are you following in the footsteps of Abraham? Following along the way of the Lord will have you to go by faith. When you get out of the way, you make things right. Maybe you think about that, about your situation. Are there things that need to be made right? You need to get back in the steps of the Lord. Continue on this journey of faith. It was faithful with you. The Lord takes with you to come back. Repent of the sins in your life and ask for his forgiveness. And you can come back to that way he's made for you. Walk by faith, just like Father Abraham, following the faithful. You need to become a child of God today, or if you need to come back as one has gone away. Jesus is calling, calling, calling.
Thank you, Brother Andrew, for the lesson this morning. Um, we want to keep Brother Brian in our prayers. His procedure is coming up in a couple of days. 20. But they moved it back to the 27th. Two weeks or two. No. That was another one. That was another one. Okay. Well, let's keep him in our prayers in the end. Hopefully, things will go away. <coughs> and, uh, across the ground tree, we want to continue to remember her also. Is there any other announcements that need to be made? I've got one tonight invitation, so that's anybody else worry about that. Okay, if there's nothing there. Oh, uh, lunch is at our house today, so everybody's invited. Come and eat. If there's nothing else, then we'll ask Brother Dale to dismiss us with prayer. <coughs>
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.